Hey everyone, this is Achu Tabava from Nightlight Astrology, and today we are going to look at two transits that are happening back to back and try to understand the meaning of this archetypal combination of aspects. So we're going to be looking at Venus's square to Uranus from the sign of Leo to the sign of Taurus, as well as the Mars square to the Sun that is happening from Gemini to Virgo. Uh, we are going to look at five themes that can maybe embody or describe this combination of two aspects happening simultaneously and then three lessons or insights that may may serve us in the process so before we get into it today don't forget to like and subscribe share some comments you know that helps the algorithm pick up on things if you tell us what you're what's on your mind after you watch this episode it really helps transcripts of my daily talks can be found on the website nightlightastrology.com where we are also running a pre-registration sale for two new courses that begin in the new year one is called roots and spheres and it is an experiential uh, dive into the astrology of 2023 that Ashley and I are leading. So you can check it out on nightlightastrology.com. Under the courses page, scroll down to Roots and Spheres, and you can learn all about it. We meet before new and full moons throughout 2023, and we pair the astrology of the month with plant teachers that we are going to be dieting throughout the month, as well as different kinds of transformational exercises that we have prepared to help people take in the astrology in a slightly different way. We, If you tune into my channel, hopefully you, you are getting meditative, spiritually relevant content, as well as forecasting. I mean, that's always my goal, but I feel like sometimes there, there is a whole audience within the audience that would like to have a more hands-on approach. So the idea here is to be in community with one another and to share our experiences with the transits as we are working with them a little bit more intentionally, especially when you start bringing plant medicine into uh, the picture. So I hope that you guys will check that out and join. You can use the early bird rate and save a couple hundred bucks off. Uh, there's a payment plan. And we also have tuition assistance for people who might be hurting financially. So please check those things out. You can also join the masterclass series, which also begins in the new year. Drop down on the course under the courses tab and you can find it right here, masterclass series. Four masterclass series, one per season. We start in the winter with the mysteries of the moon cycle. In the spring, we move into talking about the cycles of Venus and Mercury and how they show up in the birth chart. In the summer, we're talking about Zen and the art of zodiacal releasing, which is an ancient timing technique, really interesting technique, as well as a course on unlocking temperament and personality. Uh, this would be the ancient um, uh, sort of elemental personality theory, the choleric, sanguine, phlegmatic, and melancholic personality types, and how they can be how it can be seen in the birth chart, and uh, you know how you can incorporate that into your own chart and into the charts of maybe others if you're reading for other people. So anyway, you can check both of those out. And again, the masterclass series, the pre-registration sale lasts until September 12th, where if you use the early bird rate, you can save uh, quite a bit off. So hopefully. Uh, with this class as well, by the way, there's need-based tuition and a payment plan if, if that helps. So I hope to see some of you guys in those classes soon. Now, today, before we start talking about these transits, let's pull up the real-time clock and take a look at them with the good old astrology software. All right, so we are looking at two different transits this week. One of them is Venus squared to Uranus, and the other is going to be the square of Mars to the Sun. Now, the square of Mars to the sun, that 90 degree angle between the sun and Mars happens before retrograde. So we know that Mars is going to go retrograde in Gemini in late October. And in a sense, this is preparing us for that. Uh, although it's still a ways off, this transit is sort of like the herald of the upcoming retrograde. 
So from a, from a phasal point of view, let's take a look at the transits on the screen. So they're coming through back to back August 26th and 7th. That would be this Thursday uh, and, or this, uh, I'm sorry, let me go back here. So you can see the two transits perfecting on the 26th and into the 27th, that'd be Friday into Saturday. So here is Venus and Venus is squaring. I don't know why my little clicker isn't working. Hold on. Let's see if I can, nope, I don't know why it's not working. Oh, well, well the, I, I, for some reason, my uh, pen is not working at the moment. And I don't know why it's really random that it just wouldn't be working. So you can see here, Venus, I'll just kind of highlight it with my highlighter. Here's Venus in Leo. And over here is Uranus in Taurus. And the two are making a square to one another. And then we also, you can see here around the new moon that's also coming through in the sign of Virgo, uh, you can see um, the Mars square to the sun. Now the Mars square to the sun is a superior square, which means um, that it is uh, a Mars toned new moon. This new moon cycle is therefore toned by the connection between Mars and the new moon with Mars in the superior position, it's kind of asserting its agenda over them. In the meantime, Venus is squaring Uranus. So very powerful combination. And, and you're really going to be feeling this over the weekend. It's, the new moon cycle tones it, but you'll feel it over the entire weekend. I want to talk about several different themes. So let us talk about five themes that I think adequately capture this combination. One of them is loving defiance. Mars in the superior square to the new moon and the sun says, let us be bold about something. Let us be mentally, verbally uh, sharp, or let us be um, very assertive with our mind, with communication, with speech and ideas. And also um, the, Mar the Mars-Sun dynamic is just generally sort of muscular and has much more, it places an emphasis on being strong and even dominant. When you pair that with the uh, quality of Venus and Uranus, you get this idea of loving defiance. I am going to love what I love, damn it. You know, that's the, that's the mood that you can pick up on behind this combination. I love what I love. I'm going to say things that are provocative. Uh, you can't, you know, block, you know, you can't, uh, prevent me from saying what I love or what I want to say. So it's it's a very bold, assertive, muscular kind of quality, but it's related back to something that may be uh, sort of revolutionary and defiant, especially around Venusian things, which means things that we love or find attractive or beautiful or enjoyable or pleasurable. So it's a weird combination because you have, you could also call it, um, you know, almost like, uh, there's a few others I'll get to that I think are going to get to what I'm thinking about right now. Loving defiance to me would mean that there's something that I find beautiful or attractive or lovely, and I'm going to say it, think it, speak about it, communicate about it, and I don't care what you think. Or I might even assert it in a way that's like too aggressive. You might have to be careful of that. But that would be one theme that could come up around this new moon cycle, considering the, this combination. Number two would be loving anxiety. Look, we've got Mars squaring the sun and the new moon, uh, both in Mercury ruled signs. There's the potential for a little bit of 
anxiety, right? A, a, t a tense, energizing, and maybe overstimulating quality from the Mars uh, sun square, both in Mercury ruled signs, whereas we have, uh, you know, Venus and Uranus squaring one another. And I think about when you love something so much that it makes you anxious, or when you're falling in love and you're going out on a date and it makes you super anxious and you get nervous and you slip on your words and you, you don't know how you appeared and you obsess over yourself in the mirror before you go out. And so I could see there being the theme of I will love what I love and I don't care what anyone thinks or being very forceful or assertive about what we love or what we think and not caring if people may, you know, uh, uh, be upset by what we say. Or there's loving anxiety, which could be about the restlessness, the nervous anxiousness that we feel because we love what we love. For example, I can only imagine that people who at some point have to become open about uh, their sexuality and it's not a heterosexual, you know, sort of uh, uh, dynamic that they would say it causes a lot of anxiety to be to come out or to be open about what I love and who I am and what I'm attracted to. So that loving defiance, like this is me, this is what I love, or also just the sacred anxiety connected with the things that we're attracted to that give us pleasure. People who might be nervous that it's evil or bad to enjoy sex, for example. A lot of people do. You'd be surprised. You and I, you might listen to this and go, that's ridiculous. People think that? Yes, they do. So loving defiance, loving anxiety. Three would be aesthetics and criticism. There is nothing you know, worse than loving something you love, but then having someone criticize you or pick it apart. This is definitely a transit that could result in a kind of intellectual elitism around things that are supposedly beautiful or more valuable or more attractive or, um, you know, that. So, for example, um, when I was in graduate school, I did an MFA in creative writing and there was a whole, you know, uh, genre of literary criticism had to read lots of the history of literary criticism uh, there's also just garden variety and that's like very philosophical um, sometimes uh, sociological and stuff like that there's also uh, a whole genre of of people and i remember this um uh, or genre uh, genre of literature that uh you know consists of uh critiquing or criticizing art and that's it's always been that way. It's art criticism, right? So that pairing strikes me as potential. Uh, you, it doesn't take long when you're in an art school. Some of you may know this, but it doesn't take long before you realize that some people are there to just criticize other people's work uh, because having a refined sense of what's working or not or what's beautiful or not gives people some, um, some sense of pleasure. Let's be honest. They, they do it because they like it. They, they, they take pleasure. They makes them feel good or something like that. So I could see this as, um, you know, kind of like a provocative, critical, especially about things that we love. Maybe you're getting some feedback from the universe that something you love or attracted to is not very good for you, or it tends to torture you or give you anxiety or something like that. Uh, maybe on the other hand, you're running into someone who's just being uh, trying to pick you apart and pick apart what you love and what you think and or, or what you find attractive, what you naturally are drawn to. And they think, oh, I've got something better. I know better than you. I know better than everyone. Right. So uh, that that sense of like intellectual superiority matched with some I have the refined sense of what is beautiful. So be careful of that kind of mood. Um, number four would be 
an, an attraction to something that we despise. And I don't want to take this too far, and I'm not trying to make a blanket statement that you always love whatever you despise. Didn't you know you actually love it? I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that isn't it funny how sometimes things or even people that you are deeply attracted to, you start off irritated by, or you start off annoyed or frustrated with. Like, I will tell you honestly that there is a little element of that in, um, you know, the story of how my wife and I met each other. We had a back and forth over the course of a year where like I asked her out, she said no, then she asked me out and I said no. And, you know, and it was in, in a sense because we very quickly were like, you know, just kind of rubbing up against what was sort of challenging about the other person until finally there was kind of like this breakthrough where we realized that a lot of our frustration was actually this like intense attraction, but there was a little bit of a competitive aura in it. Well, Mars square the sun, a little bit of a competitive aura while uh, Venus squares Uranus. Sometimes the things that we, you know, the things that we are frustrated by or find irritating or challenging are, are things that the soul might be like, ooh, I like that, but it's spicy, you know? So watch for things that irritate or frustrate and why you might actually, there might be some level at which you find it beautiful. Finally, number five would be just a broad way of saying that the categories of intelligence and beauty or the dichotomy between intelligence and beauty may play a big role uh, here at the end of the week. Um, in ancient astrology, the dichotomy between Venus and Mercury was a strong one. Venus is exalted in the sign where Mercury is in its fall and Venus is depressed in the sign where Mercury is exalted. That would be Venus uh, in Pisces versus Venus in Virgo or Mercury in Pisces versus Mercury in Virgo. Intelligence and beauty don't have to be enemies, but sometimes they are. And uh, this is, you know, to me, this has always been the archetypal tension within questions about what kind, when people start talking about what kind of art constitutes something hateful. Uh, this has been, you know, in the air through some other trance this summer. For example, um, I'm forgetting the famous author. He wrote the Satanic Verses. I'm sorry, I'm just spacing on his name, but he was, I think he was like stabbed. And I, I read about this or, you know, sort of trickled in through social media somehow. But a big thing that came up in the wake of that was about artistic censorship. Here's a literary master. He's saying some provocative things that some people don't like. He gets stabbed, you know, or I remember back in the day, you remember, what was the name of the French, like, um, magazine and they someone came in and shot some people and it was like a, a satirical um not like mad magazine but anyway someone will know what i'm talking about but you know the question about art and art as political statement or uh the freedom of art censorship around art uh and things like that i think those conversations could be really interesting especially with venus and leo which often has a correlation to like celebrities and people who you know, a celebrity that may have some way of presenting their art that is provocative. Um, so at any rate, I would see those, that pairing, that's just one example, but intelligence and beauty, sometimes they're an awkward or tense pairing, and at other times there's no reason they should be. So uh, let's see how they play out. Let's see how we hold and experience that tension. Three lessons or insights that I think go along with this pairing. Um, one is what we know is not as important as how we love. For example, one thing that I learn about astrology day in and day out, year in and year out, is that it is more important, the way that I present material on my YouTube channel, to me, it is more important that what comes through is the love of astrology 
astrology as a kind of devotion, astrology as something that brings joy, astrology as something that I love. And that if people can pick up on the fact that I love this and somehow whatever I talk about, I can imbue with that love of astrology, that to me is what is actually transmissible from one soul to another. It's not so much what you do or what you accomplish, but how you do it or how you love what you do that is most contagious and most effective at helping other people when it comes to this kind of stuff. So to me, this transit embodied in this next moon cycle, one of the things that I'm going to remember is what we know or what we profess to know or the subjects that we're passionate about are probably not as important as the way in which we love them. So that, and I think that's something captured in this combination of planetary transits. Two, it's important to allow space for what we despise or find ugly. By that, I don't necessarily mean something extreme, like, well, you should, you know, you should bend over backwards to love an evil person or something. I'm not, I'm not, we, and as soon as you say things like this, people just blow it out to the most extreme thing. I'm talking about something fairly simple, things that irritate you, things that frustrate us in the mundane sense, little things. Let's get curious about them, right? Let's find, give space for them. I think that we're getting into a mode, and I, I don't mean this to be aimed at any group or any, you know, anybody in particular. I just observe and feel over the last, I don't know how long, just some years or so, that there is more and more of an inclination to want to silence that which we don't agree with. And I don't mean, you know, and sometimes it's okay, I think, to just not want to hear something that we find to be, I don't know what, like, like really hateful. And there's everyone has different lines, but I'm just talking about a general trend where there's a sense of like, if I don't like that, you know, I just, you don't exist, or I, I don't want to hear from you, or even you shouldn't ever say something that I don't agree with. And to me, staying curious and allowing for things to be what they are, even if we end up disagreeing or not liking or have, there's some dissonance, but allowing them to be what they are and staying curious, uh, that will, that at the very least, that deepens, even if we reject something, that deepens the way in which we do it, or that deepens the way in which we come to understand how or why we don't like something. It's important to stay curious. For example, um, you know, it's kind of like when you're eating a food and let's say you're, you're, you're like trying something new. Well, you know, take a few bites and really let your palate experience it and then go, yeah, I didn't like that. But at least your whole palate can take it in and you can, you know, it's, it's, I think we're a little bit closer sometimes to the thing touches our tongue. It's different. We can tell we don't really like it, but instead of really experiencing it and being like, yeah, I really don't like it. We just spit it out instantly with like total disgust. And I don't think this transit and this moon cycle ahead is going to serve us or be we're that we're going to align ourselves with it properly if we are very quick to, you know, let our the things like reactive disgust guide things, give a little bit of space, be a little bit curious about things that you don't like. Number three, stop and ask what is beautiful about this. So when things happen under Venus. Uranus or a new moon cycle with Mars and the sun in double bodied signs, like things can happen that are sort of sudden or quick or unexpected or like, wow, that was wacky and weird. And we got a Mercury retrograde coming up not too long in the, within the moon cycle ahead. Stop and ask when something unexpected or different or strange or bizarre uh, 
comes in, it's similar to the last point. You could it, rather just staying curious and open and giving it some space to breathe <clears throat> and then forming uh, a thoughtful response, a relational response. We can stop and ask, what is beautiful about this? As an exercise, if we stop and go, well, what is beautiful about this? I had, we had earlier this summer, we had a difficult situation with some neighbors and um, the, it was rooted in the fact that we are uh, building this herbal garden, which most of you guys know about, uh, one of our goals of our Kickstarter. And um, at any rate, I won't go into it, but one of the things that I did was I, I was sitting on my deck, looking out at the space that we're going to be building the garden and you know the, and the neighbors and stuff. And uh, I sat and I thought to myself, what is beautiful about this, this entire situation? And I was able to like sit back and almost appreciate the drama of my life. Of course, it was frustrating and I wasn't like just dropping those feelings. I wasn't able to, but I was able to take some time to sit back and reflect that almost like it was like a movie and just find some artistic appreciation for the weirdness and craziness and, and absurdity of it. And I find that if I take a little bit of time to do that, it's not something that is, you know, a positive strategy for replacing the, the reality of the situation. It's not like an avoidant thing. It's a way of broadening and creating more room for the experience to be more things. And, and to me, the diversification of experience is always the thing that brings joy eventually, maybe not right away, but eventually it brings joy, whether that joy is in the form of comedic relief uh, at the absurdity of it all. I mean, we're all, it's a madhouse in here, right? Like where I think, I really think that astrology, if nothing else, helps me to see that we're all utter lunatics, right? <laughs> all of us in this sublunary sphere under the moon, we're all nuts. So what is beautiful or interesting about this? Stay connected to that spirit. And when this, you know, the zany Venus-Uranus dynamic comes in, you're less likely to judge it too narrowly, which does not mean that you lack discernment or that you lack any opinion or something like that. So I hope that these insights are useful, that you have a great new moon cycle ahead and um, yeah, and that you find uh, that you have, uh, you know, that you're, that you're able to experience the, the rush of these energies over the weekend, especially in um, memorable ways. I wish you good memories. <laughs> so if you have stories to tell, please use the hashtag grabbed or email us grabbed at nightlightastrology.com. I really wanna hear your stories about Venus square Uranus or the Mars square, the sun, or this combination. Uh, use the hashtag grab Sarah, share a story in the comment section or email us grabbed at nightlightastrology.com. All right, that's what I've got for today. Hope you guys are having a good one. Take it easy.